if you didn't have an opportunity to um, join us on the uh, hub training Thursday, um, I'd recommend you watch it. And it's at our YouTube channel. Um, you might just type in um, how to get results in prayer in my name and it should come up. But um, if you're on the church shift email, you probably got it. But it was, I forgot how much I loved that teaching. It's one of my favorites. I mean, it, it, it tells you how to get your prayers answered. So it's really powerful. And um, I'd highly recommend it. But hopefully today, some interesting passages in 2 Kings will be made clear. Because, quite frankly, there's some weird stuff that happens in the uh, Old Testament. And we're in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. And we've already studied Elijah's succession to Elisha's succession to Elijah's position. Try to say that four times quick. Man. Uh, where Elijah was taken up in the chariot and because Elisha kept his focus on the object, which was seeing him go up, he got a double portion, right? So the tests he had to go through, I mean, there was just, you know, all these things prepared him. And I don't know how long he went. Do you all know how long he was under Elijah's tutelage? Eight years. Was it eight years? Okay. So eight years he uh, was mentored by him. And uh, now we've got, it's almost like there was a pause in the story. You know, you have Elijah goes up, and then we get back to the kings. And now we're back to uh, him being taken up in heaven in the first part of chapter 2, 1 through 14, which we've already studied. So now let's <coughs> revisit this starting in verse 15. Can I, can I, can I, I was doing this, I was listening in Malachi. Mm -hmm. And long story short, it brought me all the way around back to... The story? The story. And there was a couple of things that it brought out. And I thought before we go on, I might... Yeah, mention. absolutely. And um, when it talks here in 2 and 3, um, that in this Bible, which is, I forgot what I'm using here, but it says the group of prophets from Bethel. And he kept saying the sons of the prophets from Bethel. And so then when I looked and I started studying, it's, um, there was a commentary and it said the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel or the disciples of them as the Targum, I guess that's how you say it, mm -hmm. um, though it was a place where um, one of Jeroboam's calves was set up. Mm -hmm. And they had made it a school of the prophets and they thought perhaps that was founded by Elijah uh, as a like a nursery for new prophets. Mm -hmm. uh, and he brought out the fact, because he would talk about fatherlessness, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know, here where Je uh, Jezebel had issued her threats to him, you know, he became despondent and suicidal. You know, just kill me, just take me out, et cetera, et cetera. And he said... At that point, he felt like God gave Elijah a new mandate mm -hmm. to go be a father. He didn't have any kids, but then he immediately went, and uh, this is when he had the, the uh, reaction with Elisha. And if he did start this school, 
Then he had many sons uh, with the prophetic. And so he went from one major project, I would say that, to, mm -hmm. you know, the awareness of God uh, to the nation. And then here he's, he's training up the um, prophets. Mm -hmm. And also we know that he was really... Uh, you know, I'm the only one. He kept saying, I'm the mm -hmm. only one that's alive. And even after God said, no, you're not. You know, yeah. I'm the only one that's alive with the prophets. So um, he was, the, and I thought, you know, that makes sense that he would be instrumental then in developing mm -hmm. uh, prophets. Well, not only that, but it's kind of interesting. He went from just seeing himself to raising up others. Right. Which, you know, the curse is if the hearts of the fathers are not not turn to the children and the children to the fathers and there will be a curse right. on there. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting look at that, so I thought that I could is. bring that. Um, well, and the abomination of desolation is the destruction that comes from fatherlessness. So that's uh, that's really good. I had another thought and I'm just trying to remember it. <laughs> but I am not. So we will move on and see if it pops back up. Oh, um, Targum. In order to have one of those, you had to have 70 or 72 disciples. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why the Lord, he had his 12, but he had uh, 70, but some interpretations are 72. Uh, do you know what the exact number is? Okay, I don't either. But anyway, that's what a Targum is, okay. 70 to 72. And that, I think that was required, right, in order to be a rabbi? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you had to have that many. Well, we know he had 50 because there was 50 watching. Mm-hmm, so at I mean, least, you know, mm-hmm, so. yeah. Okay, very good. I like that. All right, so now in verse uh, 15, we're going to read through 18. It says, Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, Behold now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Please let us go and seek your master. It may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, well, you, you, won't, you shall not send. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send. They uh, sent therefore 50 men, and for three days they sought him, but did not find him. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho, and he said, did I not say to you, do not go? Now, that seems kind of weird too. I mean, basically it's like they, you know, missing persons party. <laughs> Let's go find Elijah. But Elisha saw him go up, and he's like, guys, you know, first of all, it's a waste of time, but don't y'all remember telling me that today God is going to take up your master? I mean, they were the same people that kept telling him everywhere he went that, you know, Elijah was going to be taken up. And so when he is, or it's almost like <laughs> like I was saying Thursday when my foot was healed, I was like, what? How'd that happen? <laughs> it was kind of like one of those moments where it's like, what? But the word is shamed kind of stuck out to me. Uh, so I looked it up, and it gives us an idea of what Elisha, Elisha was feeling, because the word ashamed is to be ashamed, disappointed, or embarrassed. The sense of disappointment one experiences when one's hope fails in an embarrassing way. So what I think he was feeling is he's the new leader. And instead of them you know, like, okay, what's next? They're wanting to find the old. And so I think there was probably a momentary disappointment in the fact that they, I mean, they, again, you know, they loved Elijah. 
And so I think that would be very difficult. But at the same time, they know he's gone because they see the same spirit on Elisha. So I think he did. I think he definitely was maybe a little bit disappointed that he was not embraced as their new leader um, right off the bat. Uh, plus, not only that, guys, he was wearing his mantle. You know, so he was definitely the next prophet. Okay, so now we, you know, obviously Elijah's gone. Elisha is the one that is taking over. And I want to look at this, this thing. I was telling Mike this morning, I tell my friend this all the time. The reason, the big reason, I want to have money, make money, I know it sounds off topic, but it's not, is because according to the parable of the minas, when your minas are making minas, you get cities. So that's been my goal for years and years and years, is cities, and then it's like, oh, oh, I can't be in debt. In fact, I need to be out of debt, and I need money making money in order to take a city. So knowing how to make money gets you some influence, but when you get into passive income, why? Well, number one, you are in the kingdom laws of prosperity, but number two, your time is freed up, right? And uh, so anyway, I told Mike today, I said, you know, did you know that our emergency fund is fully funded? So we've accomplished that. I mean, we prayed because I had to pay some in taxes, like seven grand. And now we have a, that was what, October. Now we have a fully funded uh, emergency fund. So I was telling him, I said, I know how to make passive income even without multiplying that. And I said, I want to do it to take cities. All that to say that God is after cities. God is after states. He is after nations. So you need to position yourself to be one of influence. And what's amazing is in these stories, of these leaders, of these prophets, they have the ear of kings. They have the ear of uh, world rulers and influencers. They're even playing a part in, in prophetically declaring the plans that the enemy has against Israel. So these are things that we need to have in place and make sure we're doing so we have the ear of kings. Not to mention the fact that wealth is included in the glory of God, right? So, we're going to see in this story how Elisha solved city problems, which we should be doing. One aspect of wisdom is creativity. One aspect of creativity is solving problems. Okay? So, we should have those solutions. So, here in verse 19, it says, Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situa situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad. And the land is unfruitful. So he said, well, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw the salt in it. And it says, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from now on. Neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day according to the word that Elisha spoke. So I want you to notice two things. He did something practical and something supernatural. Because the supernatural is the power of God on the natural. Also, we've learned, and uh, Kathy really brought this out in her teaching, about salt, right? And that if you lose your flavor, if salt loses its flavor, there's no use. You might as well just walk all over it, right? Well, the word losing its flavor means to become foolish. The idea is you're no longer wise, you're now foolish. 
And so with this salt thing, we're seeing wisdom <coughs> being demonstrated and that salt is used to heal the water. And he went even further from the produce in their fields. He went to their bodies. No longer will there be any death anywhere, right? Or so mis- I like that. Or miscarriage. Uh-huh. I felt that was Well, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even your bodies yeah. will be fruitful. And uh, so, again, we have a situation where city leaders are coming to the prophet to have a solution because their water was bad. So I thought that was interesting, number one, because he's solving a problem. And then we also can surmise that the bad water was also causing sickness and disease in the bodies and also resulting in miscarriages. So the salt, which was purifying, and the decree, which was the power of God, solved that city's problem which we're gonna be getting into soon. Um, There's two things I want us to seek God on on Fridays to solve uh, problems. So be thinking about the first one that I wanna solve is the petty crime and the, um, a lot of the meth users that are walking around. The problem with that problem is that our laws will not confine them. So they're going to continue being on the streets. I think I already have a solution to that, but I'm not sure if we can execute it legally. So I'm going to have to find out. But that's the first one. So if y'all could be praying, if you get any ideas. The second one is the trash in the town. Now that's going to be a big one. It sounds ridiculous, but people do not care for this town. This is a this is a heart condition that needs to be solved, right? So that's going to require wisdom and creativity. So those are the two. If you guys could be praying into them, the reason it's important is when people come with the base and they see the trashiness of the town, that gets to the top's ears. And if people think that the government can't shut this base down within a day, all you've got to do is look at Afghanistan. So if he doesn't care about people there, he will not care about people here. So the trash and uh, the petty criminals walking around with no restraint, okay? So um, uh, I'd like maybe in a couple weeks we, we could visit that on a Friday. Okay, so he solves that problem. Can you write that down for me or text me? Um, now in verse 23, we're going to read another uh, issue. So he went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, now this is a weird story, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. <laughs> Like, okay. And he turned around, and when he saw him, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. From there he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm just going to, you know, release a couple bears on you, and they're going to eat you because you called me a bald head. Okay, he's not having a bad day, guys. It's not because he got disappointed with the people wanting to go look for Elijah. There's actually more to this story than meets the eye. So let's dive into it. Okay, so based on the language and the culture of the day, small boys is actually a pretty bad translation. It might refer to, quote, idolatrous young men and not innocent boys. So that's from the New King James Version, the Spirit-Filled Life uh, Bible in the notes. So they saw Elisha, and instead of respecting him as a prophet, they jeered at him. Jeered means to mock, deride, or scorn. It's to make fun of persons, to insult them, to hold someone or something in disrespect. 
not to fear or take something seriously. Now, Elijah was naturally bald. And so they're like, go up, go up like the prophet Elijah. So they're mocking Elijah's rapture and they're mocking Elisha being bald. So they're attacking his appearance as well as his office. There is no fear of God. Now, the reason that's important is back then, guys, you did not do that. Like even if you didn't follow God like you should, everyone was smart enough to know even pagans feared the prophets. You know what I mean? Like they, I mean, they called fire down from heaven in like, you know, how many 50s, 350s? No, 250s at least. Finally, the last guy's like, please don't call down fire. Like before you do, I don't want to be here and I really don't want to be your barbecue today. So if you could just refrain a little bit and Elisha did. So, I mean, even pagans feared him and here these young men are not. Now, like Kathy has brought out, we've studied, this is Bethel where the golden calf was. So, if they were idolatrous like they think, this was a challenge that they believed their God was bigger than Elisha's God. You see what I mean? So, it would have spread. It could have caused big problems. And the fact that she bears tore up 42 of them tells me it was a gang. These are gangsters showing up. You know what I'm saying? The Crips back in the day. And they're going against the prophet. So this wasn't some like innocent little kids making fun of a bald old man. This was a gang of youths up to no good who had absolutely no fear of the Lord. And they were attacking and mocking the prophet. And so he cursed them. It was the judgment of the Lord. He used his name. If it wasn't God's will, he wouldn't have been able to do that. Okay? Now, you might be like, well, that wasn't very nice of God. Well, back then, we didn't have Jesus' blood to transform hearts. So, you got eaten by bears <laughs> and lions if you didn't punch them in the face. Is significant? Oh, I don't know. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. It might be. I mean, it is kind of, kind of, kind of, it's kind of a juxtaposition with uh, the 50 prophets, sons of the prophets. These are sons of uh, Belial, which were extremely wicked uh, people. Uh, so anyway, uh, we, we know there is a culture of idolatry that was deep. So he continues on his way from Bethel. He goes to uh, Mount Carmel, the very place the question of who was a true God was settled by his predecessor Elijah. And then he goes to Samaria, the capital city. So that brings us to chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 3 first. Okay, so in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria. Now, it may get confusing because there's two Jehorams. One was over Israel and one was over Judah. So, just so you know. Um, and, and this guy reigned 12 years. But he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, though not you know, like his father and mother, for he put away the pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which he made Israel to sin, and he did not depart. So the entire family line is going to be dealt with, because we're still dealing with Elijah, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Ahab and Jezebel's descendants. A lot of them have already, um, no, I don't even know if a lot of them have been killed. I might actually be going ahead in my notes, because I've got like, I think, six weeks <laughs> already studied. Uh, but we do know that Ahaziah is dead. We've got Jeroboam. He's not as bad as Ahab, 
but he is still uh, worshiping the system through the system that Jeroboam set up. Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he had to, de- to deliver to the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Je- uh, Jehoram marched out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel, and he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to battle against Moab? And he said, well, I'll, I will go. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So he said, well, by which way shall we march? And Joram said, by the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And when they made a circuitous march of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. Okay, so uh, real quick, uh, brief background. Moab is the fruit of Lot's two daughters impregnating themselves with their father. Oh. Sorry, it just grossed me out. <laughs> Ew. So, they, it was after Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And they're like, oh, there's no one left. Everybody's dead. We're going to have to repopulate the earth. And so, they got their dad drunk. They got impregnated. And now we have this group of people that, that are the result of an incestuous relationship. Now, they lived on the border of Israel. They caused problems, quite frankly, for Israel, just like Edom did. And they decided to rebel against him because uh, Biden was in office. Oh, I'm sorry, Ahab was dead. Now, Omri is the first one that subjugated them. And it's typical of new leadership. You know, there's some instability in the region. And so nations will typically make their move. And, uh, but for some reason, they either ran out of water or they didn't take water. I, I can't imagine they wouldn't take water unless maybe there's a drought, like they thought there would be water along the way. Either way, they don't have any water. Okay, so verse 10. So the king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings to give them into ha- the hand of Moab, a typical blame God response. And Jehoshaphat said, well, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire? I love this guy. He's just like, hey, where are the prophets? Let's get some prophetic advice here. So one of the king of Israel's servants said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. (laughs) Now... Again, you know, here we have Jehoshaphat, like, hey, let's find a prophet. I don't, it, the Israel kings, they're just clueless, you know? And uh, so anyway, now, again, it may appear that Elisha is fussy. Uh, he might be a little bit rough around the edges. I think both of them were. Uh, but this story is kind of comical. So we'll continue on in verse 13. So they go down to Elisha, and Elisha said to the king of Israel, why are you here? I'm no, just kidding. But basically, that's what he said. What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. Basically, he saw him to um, kick up rocks. But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of uh, Moab. And Elisha said, Well, as the Lord of hosts live before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. (laughs) It's just so funny because 
most Christians today, like if, you know, that, oh, would just be absolutely terrible. What is that pole behind you? I have no idea. Oh, I did it to the window. I didn't have to hear it. Oh, okay. I'm trying to figure that out. Sorry. Rabbit trail. Okay. But now, bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says the Lord, you will not see, see wind or rain, but that stream bed shall be filled with waters that you shall drink, you, your livestock, and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. Also, he will give the Moabites into your hand. And you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, and stop up all springs of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. The next morning, about the time of the offering of the sacrifice, behold, water came from the direction of Edom until the country was filled with water. Now, the musician thing, this is really important. Um, you know, so obviously there's not much love lost between Elisha and the king, and his point is valid because, you know, obviously he's from a line that's been cursed. But listen to the New King James on verses 15 through 18. But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, You will not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, blah, 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 blah. The reason I wanted to read the New King James is I wanted to show the part the people had to play in the prophetic word because the uh, ESV version makes it more of like a passive exercise that just kick back, have some rest. When you wake up, the ditches are going to be full of water, but they had to go dig those ditches. You see that? So a lot of times when you're thirsty, you need to go out and dig ditches. Who wants to dig ditches when you're thirsty? You're going to be distracted by your thirst and you're going to get thirstier. So you have to not only dig ditches while you're thirsty, but then endure the thirstiness that you're now more thirsty with after you dig the ditches. Okay? So, I think sometimes when it comes to the prophetic, we get the word and it's like, oh, you know, I don't need to do anything. I can just sit back and, you know, watch Oprah. Is she even on TV anymore? I don't know. And, uh, or Netflix or whatever it is that you do. And it'll just, hap it'll just happen. Most personal prophetic word requires our cooperation and with much diligent hard work, a dream comes to pass. And so they had to go and they had to dig these ditches. Their obedience is actually what provided the environment for the miracle. So again, people ask God for something. They ask him for a miracle and when it doesn't happen, they blame God. But the first thing you need to do is, what did he say? You are, right? Because you have to know your identity first, and then what did he say to do? So he has his part, we have our part. Our identity is often likened to digging ditches. Because when God says who you are, you have to then... Okay, so i got to come into agreement, but I have contradiction. So it's kind of like, you know, when I read my um, spiritual intelligence report, it's like, love, 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 love. <laughs> and so I'm like, 
Okay. Okay. Not to mention learn to play guitar. Uh, okay. I think maybe learning to love will be easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, but anyway, that's, it's a contradiction. Or, wow. <laughs> or, you have a situation where it's like, I read in there and it says, uh, you bring kindness wherever you go. Good grief, Dorina, my kindness is about to go away. So it's like, you have this whole situation where he's saying who you are and you're like, I don't see that. That's digging ditches, right? Coming into agreement with him and then carrying out those steps. So that's what had to happen. If they didn't dig ditches, there would have been no place for their miracle. And I like how the Lord's like, and this is a simple matter, slight, trivial, or swift. So a lot of what seems impossible for us is no big deal for him, okay? Now, okay, okay what is going on? <laughs> I'm trying to get it off. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. I want to go back to Exodus 15:20 and show you something here because a musician is very, very important in the kingdom. Okay. So in um, there's a long history, first of all, of musicians and the prophetic. But I want to show you the first place. Prophet or prophetess is used. I find it interesting. It's actually um, uh, a female in reference to a female. In Exodus 15, verse 20, Saturday crossed the Red Sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, uh, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, and the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. So this is the very first place the idea of prophets used. Okay, now the word prophetess is the feminine form of nobby, and it's quote a spokesman, a speaker, or a prophet. The ancient concept of a prophetess was a woman who had the gift of song, like Miriam or Deborah. Now, not all prophetesses were gifted with song like Huldah, Isaiah's wife, but it was definitely a connection at that time. So we see that Ezekiel was also a musician and he was a prophet, and unfortunately his uh, office as prophet was reduced only as a musician, or the office of prophet. Good grief. The, uh, the <laughs> musician has been reduced to just that. People don't view today as mu musicians, as prophets. Did that make any sense? I felt like I was stumbling all over the place. Okay. So, someone can have the ability to play music, doesn't necessarily mean they're a prophet, but to me, if you're able to play music, like one of the things it says is teach through song, you know, um, you got to be able to prophetically play. You have to be able to hear the music from the Lord and be able to play. Um, I remember some of the most powerful worship times was melody, huh? When Kent would do melody, he would just start playing melody on the guitar and it would spark the prophetic. So definitely he had a prophetic role in his musician uh, work. I read an Isn't article neat? Uh, and it talked about the different prophets that were like singers, uh, et cetera. Of course we know David mm -hmm. was a mm -hmm. player. Well, and he set and up all of them. He wrote all these songs and stuff. and. Um, but uh, 
Jeremiah was also a singer. Mm -hmm. You know, just some different ones, and mm -hmm. they do. They are a joint. Yeah. Can I say something? Absolutely. It's, um, it's a special anointing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, also, I, I'm sure y'all noticed that Elisha, now he didn't always need a musician, but that was his preferred way. He did like to have that musician to play, and then he would start prophesying. But over in Ezekiel 33, interesting, verses 32 and 33, it says, For I spread terror in the land of the living, and he shall be... Wait, what? wrong one. <laughs> Let me get to the correct <laughs> verses. What? My terror. Yeah, that's what happens when I pick up my guitar. And behold... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's playing with the cat's fill. <laughs> And then Gigi's like, is that an E? I think I hear an E in there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> and behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. So this is referring to Ezekiel where he was actually playing uh, music, but the people, did you notice, they will hear what you say, but they will not do it, meaning that in his song he was teaching. In his song he was given instruction. And so you see that a lot a lot with Israel's songbook, which were, it was the book of song, songs, right? So it's interesting. And then you have in Colossians, um, might be chapter 4 or 5, and then you've got in does Colossians have a chapter 5? It might be 4. And then Ephesians chapter 5, you know, sing, you know, uh, to be ever filled with the Spirit, you must sing. Okay, hymns, psalms, spiritual songs, and then Colossians, you teach with those. So anyway, it's an interesting thing, and there's a lot of science behind the power of music and helping you remember, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? You sing, and it helps you uh, memorize. So, I don't believe that every Christian musician is necessarily a prophet, but I do believe that they need to be prophetic. And that comes through discipline and that comes through um, training and learning uh, your practice and your gift. Okay, so let's get back to our digging ditches in verse uh, 21. And when the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them and all who were able to put on armor from the youngest to the oldest were called out, and were drawn up at the border. And when they rose early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water, the Moabites saw the water opposite them as red as blood. And they said, This is blood. The kings have surely fought each other and struck one another down. Now then, Moab to the spoil. And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose, and they struck the Moabites till so they fled before them. And they went forward, striking them as they went. And they overthrew the cities, and on every good piece of land, every man threw a stone until it was covered. They stopped up every spring of water and felled all the good trees till only its stones were left in Kir Hereseth, and the slingers surrounded and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was going against him, he took with him 700 swordsmen to break through opposite the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son, who was to reign his place, and offered him for a burnt offering on the wall. Mm. And there came great wrath against Israel, and they withdrew from him and returned to their own land. And in other words, like, whoa. Yeah, that, whoa, whoa. 
okay, we'll stop there because, you know, you're, you're killing your own son. But I love this because it was the next time of the offering, the next morning, there's water there. Again, if they had not dug the ditches, the water wouldn't have been in there. The Moabites wouldn't have thought the water was blood, and they probably would not have had a victory. So it just makes me wonder how many times we thought God let us down when actually we let ourselves down. It's so important. What was the last thing he told you to do? Whatever that was, if you're not doing it, that may answer some questions for you. <laughs> you know? So it's too cool. Now, um, here we have a situation where a problem turns into an astounding victory. Just like this solution was in the home of the widow who lost her son when Elijah lived there. Here we have uh, a situation of no water and all that comes with it. And the prophet releases the solution that then causes the enemy to misjudge the situation to his own destruction. What if the solution to your problem is the very thing needed to trick the enemy on your behalf? What if the very thing that you fear the most is actually the answer to his destruction in your life? So that's why it's so important. What do you fear the most? That's probably the very thing that will hurt his attack, his influence in your life. So that's why we need to embrace those things and not be afraid. Don't allow fatigue, thirst, or discouragement to stop you when you know you are in the will of God. There is an answer, and that answer will defeat the enemy and enrich your life. Don't overlook the spoils. Because the end game is not that you retreat and die and go to heaven to escape the enemy's attacks. The end game is that you embarrass the enemy every day of your life. You go in and you plunder his land. That is the end game for God. No retreat. It is to go forward at all times. Now, sometimes you hide out in his protection and you get a little bit of rest. But mainly, you're advancing, taking spoil. So it's very important to understand that. You might be thinking, I feel more like Jehoram than Jehoshaphat. <laughs> well, the king is just, or the Lord is kind to the just and the unjust. So if you're not following the Lord and you still need a miracle, be bold. Don't hesitate to ask. But also, stop it. And Whatever I, you're doing, stop. And I thought it was very interesting. We know it wasn't really blood. It's mm -hmm. a foreshadow of blood. Mm -hmm. just that At way. the offering. And they were mm -hmm. saved by the blood. Yes, they were. Right here. Yes, they were. And I think that's why the author of the Bible, and he may not have known, but the author of 1 Kings, God's actually the author and he would know, but where it kept saying at the morning offering, right? He kept saying that like two or three times that the water showed up, the Moabites saw it, and they thought it was blood. So it's definitely a prophetic picture to Jesus Christ and us being saved by the blood of Jesus. So, yeah. And a final verse, uh, and I'd like to read this statement. His kindness is to lead to repentance, not entitlement. In Romans 2, 4, it says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And we've had where God would have us um, uh, demonstrate, me and Mike, demonstrate extreme kindness to people that didn't deserve it because we're all like that. You know what I mean? None of us deserve his kindness. He qualified for uh, us for that. Not anything we could do. But 
uh, I remember there were times that we would, you know, demonstrate kindness to people, and then the Lord would say, stop. Because they're now taking the kindness of the Lord, and they're perverting it, and they're now becoming entitled. And I'll never forget, um, it was a difficult time at a church we used to go to financially, because there was a lot of transition. We'd gone from one building to a next, and there were a lot of new expenses, a lot of different things going on. And we had a, a guy that needed some money. Me and Mike didn't have it. Uh, Gigi and Mommy didn't have it. And so I had gone, uh, or did he go first? Anyway, somehow I got the money for him from our church. And it was the most they could do. And I gave it to him. And it was very generous, I thought. And I gave it to him. And his first words were, that's it. That's where love, 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 love comes in because I wanted to throat punch this guy. And I was like, wow. Yeah, actually, that is it. You know, and so I I may not have had much use for him afterwards, huh? That might have been the last time I saw him. <laughs> but anyway, but the thing is, is that the kindness of the Lord is not for you to continue to be an idiot. We the kindness... Back again, you know that? We right. back to get in. Wanted money. Yeah. 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 The kindness of the Lord is to awe you and be like, I cannot believe how nice you are to me. I am a stinker right now, and I do not deserve this. And and that's what it's supposed to do. And by the way, if we ever get through the Kings this year, in 2022, <laughs> um, I want to start a study on the goodness of the Lord. Mm -hmm. The Lord instructed me that, um, well, it's been a few weeks ago, He said the next topic is going to be the goodness of the Lord. And this morning... I was pondering that, and he said it will be a revolutionary teaching um, on it. So I don't, I don't know what that means, but we're going to dive into it. So I'm really excited about that. But how many chapters does Second Kings have? <laughs> we're we're going to be here for a while. But anyway, I, so be praying because I. I believe that as we continue to approach the end of the age, and I'm not saying that the Antichrist is on the doorstep, blah, blah, but I can say it's definitely closer than it was yesterday. People are going to need to know the goodness of the Lord because many, uh, you know, they'll get offended, their hearts will grow cold, and if we can prevent as many as possible in the kingdom of God from that happening, I think that would be a good idea. And the goodness of the Lord is going to be one of those aspects, right? He told us, know who you are, and you have to know God is good all of the time. So that's what we'll be diving into. So I'm super excited about it. It's a vast topic. Uh, and what's uh, cool is with the goodness of the Lord is it causes nations to love Jesus. So that will be uh, really neat to dive into. Okay, anybody else have anything before we pray? And... Um, do our ties not? Um, how is uh, Lisa May Sutton? I don't know. I will find out. I was wondering that too before we went out of town. I forgot to. And, and, and let's just have a prayer for Ben and me. Okay. <laughs> yes. Been pretty rough. I didn't even think to release him. Oh my gosh. You know, it was funny. I was telling him uh, Thursday, I said, you know, but my foot was broken. Everywhere I went in that church, people were laying hands on me, and I forget all the time to pray for people. Obviously forgot Friday. All right. Well, Father, we thank you so much for the healing power of Jesus Christ. 
that according to Isaiah 53, it was a present tense reality in his day, and our day is a past tense reality, meaning that Ben has already been healed, and so has Elizabeth, Lisa May's daughter. So we come into agreement with that reality, we pull that into the present, and we release uh, the knitting power of God with uh, Ben's ribs. <laughs> Sounds like a restaurant. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Father, we release healing into his body, supernatural pain we command to go, because according to Isaiah 53, not only did he take uh, uh, sickness and disease away from us, but he also took all pain. Whether that pain is natural or not, he took it in himself. Therefore, it's illegal and Ben's body regardless of it being a natural incident or uh, anything that might be demonic. So Father, we release healing in the kingdom into his body, command all pain to go, and we curse cancer in Elizabeth's uh, body right now in Jesus' name. We curse all cancer cells in her pancreas and we release the kingdom of God in her body, in her kingdom. Uh, we say your will be done, your kingdom come in Jesus' name, and Father, also in her soul. We also, once again, uplift Ukraine in complete victory. That they, they fight from a place of victory, not toward it. They, they fight from that place, in Jesus' name. And Father, we give you our tithes and offerings this morning with absolute freedom, no obligation, no manipulation, with cheerfulness of heart. You promise that those who give to you cheerfully, you will never abandon, you'll never let us down, and we'll never do without. And so, Father, we give to you as loyalty that the income we made does not belong to the world or even to us it belongs to you and we thank you for the ability to take a percentage of that and give to Jesus right now where he's seated on the throne we ask that you continue to help us use it with wisdom and to bless the working believer and those who have need in Jesus name Amen Amen